Redbox Media Programming is brought to you by... We've got good news. The world is open again, and people like you, people of faith, are traveling to Catholic sites around the world. Want to travel with exceptional Catholic leaders this fall, next year, or in the future? Are you looking to see specific sites, celebrate traditional Latin Mass, or travel to destinations without vaccine requirements? We are here to help you deepen your faith on pilgrimage. Give us a call at 1-800-842-4842 or visit us online at selectinternationaltours.com. Select International Tours is your pilgrimage company, and we have the perfect Catholic trip for you. Are you looking to serve God and society? Consider putting your gifts to work as a lawyer. Ave Maria School of Law has been educating faith-filled lawyers for over 20 years. Ave Maria School of Law is committed to training lawyers to use law appropriately around the moral issues of our time. Visit AveMariaLaw.edu to learn more about integrating your faith with a law degree. O Lord my God, Thou searchest me. My heart and mind are known to Thee. Nothing is hidden from thy eyes. When I sit down and when I rise, and from afar thou art discerning my thoughts and hopes, my secret yearning. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, Amen. I'd like to welcome you all to our Perseverance Conversation this morning. As always, it's great to be with you. We'd like to begin our conversation by inviting Mary to be with us. Mary is the Mother of God. Mary is the Mother of the Church. And Mary is the Mother of each and every one of us. Furthermore, when we pray the beautiful prayer of the Hail Holy Queen, we cry out to Mary as our, as our life, our sweetness, and our hope. So let's <coughs> ask and beg Mary to, to accompany us in our journey to Christ. As we say, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for our sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Now let's turn to our spiritual director. Our spiritual director is God himself, and that's the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is is known as the Paraclete. He's also known in the Catechism of the Catholic Church as the Gift of Gifts. Holy Spirit is also known as the Sweet Guest of our souls. And he's our 
consoler. In the midst of the many trials of life that we all have, the Holy Spirit comes to console us. As St. Paul says, as we've received much consolation from God, let us console others. The Holy Spirit is also our counselor. Inundated by a cloud of confusion, we want the Holy Spirit to guide us properly in the light of truth. And the truth will set you free, as Jesus says. And St. Paul also reminds us the Holy Spirit is interior master. We don't know how to pray as we ought. But the Holy Spirit intercedes with ineffable groans so that we can say, Abba. Abba, which means Daddy or Father. So let's ask the Holy Spirit to give us a lot of light, a lot of peace, a lot of joy, and a lot of strength, as we say. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful, and kindle within us the fire of your divine love. Send forth your Spirit, and they shall be created. Thou shalt renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, it instruct the hearts of your faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit. Grant us by the same Spirit we may be truly wise and ever rejoice in His consolation through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Our Lady Guadalupe, pray for us. St. Joseph, pray for us. St. Ignatius, Pray for us. St. Michael the Archangel, pray for us. St. Gabriel, pray for us. Archangel Raphael, pray for us. St. Maria Faustina Kowalska, pray for us. All God's angels and saints, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So, my friends, as always, I'd like to welcome you and encourage you by prayer. I'd like to pray for all of you and place all of you on the altar when I celebrate the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. We should never forget the power of the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. There's actually no greater prayer in the whole world than the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. So I'd like to place you on the altar and beg the Lord for this grace that all of us <coughs> all of us would strive to arrive at real holiness of life. All of us would strive to arrive at real holiness of life.
as the Lord says, be be holy as your heavenly Father is holy. My second intention would be as as usual. I'd like to pray for your families. I'd like to pray for your young ones and some of your even grandparents. That they would not be deluded, deceived into believing this new agenda that's being spread far and wide. That our sexual identity is not biological, objective, but rather it's a subjective choice we make when we arrive at a certain age in our life. <coughs> this is erroneous. This is an error. But it's being spread far and wide. You know, there can be a brainwashing. Even Hitler said, tell a lie, tell a big lie, but keep repeating it over and over and over again. Before you know it, you're starting to believe that the lie is the truth, and the truth is a lie. So my friends, it's incumbent upon you as mothers and fathers, parents to the children, it's incumbent upon you to be the first teachers of your children in the way of faith. Pray for your children. Listen to your children. Give your children advice. Encourage your children. But also... At times you have to correct your children. Especially when they've got false ideas that are being infused in their in their minds. That depends, my friends, it's the battle of the mind. You know, what we do and who we are and our personality depends a lot upon our thought process, what we put upstairs. My father would often say, among many maxims or proverbs, he would say, the thought is the father of the deed. Well said. The thought is the father of the deed. My last intention will be that all of us will have a an ardent desire to pray more and to pray better. Psalm 42, verse 1, one of my favorites. As the deer yearns for the running streams, as the deer yearns for the running streams, so my soul yearns for you, O Lord, my God. As the deer yearns for the running streams, So my soul yearns for you, O Lord, my God. So I'll be placing all of you on the altar. Let's pray mutually for each other. Very good news, my friends. And I want to 
Thank you very much for your fervent prayers. Is last night, thanks be to God, I went off with my missionary team to the parish of St. John the Baptist in Baldwin Park. We started the third of our spiritual exercises program. We have three spiritual exercises program this time, which will take us all the way through Lent up until Easter. Take us up until Lent all the way through Easter. And we started off with the Mass at 6.30, then we had a talk at about 7.45 with the warm welcome of Father Ishmael Robles. We had a good problem. We didn't have enough, we did not have enough photocopies to give out because we had way beyond 300 people that had come to carry out the spiritual exercises program. I'd like to ask you to keep praying because we're just entering the first week and often the first week is when the devil will come and the devil will attack those who are doing the exercises. And one of the attacks would be, you know, I know you're meditating, you're really not getting that much out of it. You're wasting your time. Just give it up and do something more profitably. So this is one one of the most frequent temptations of the devil during the first week. Because the devil does not want people to go deep in their prayer life. The devil wants people to be mediocre sinners. The exercises help us to really become great saints. That's really what Prince Foundation is all about. We're called to praise God, to reverence God, to serve God. And by means of that to save our souls. Something beautiful is happening today in that same parish, the pastor, Father Ishmael, is going to be giving the spiritual exercises there in English, I gave it last night in Spanish. So let's pray that it'll be the first time that he'll be given the exercises, that God will give him a lot of light, a lot of insight, and that people will, a lot of people will show up to do the exercises in English in the parish of St. John the Baptist. So we're doing the exercises in St. Therese, on Thursday, St. Peter Chanel, Monday, then St. John the Baptist, Tuesday in Spanish, St. John the Baptist, Wednesday in English. The program is proliferating. So, pray that God would bless the work of our hands. As the psalmist says, give success to the work of our hands, O Lord. Give success to the work of our hands. Very good. So, today, in our readings, 
We're still reading through St. James chapter 1. And St. James chapter 1 gives us a lot of good advice today. He gives us a lot of good advice. A lot of good practical advice. And the first thing he's going to tell us by means of, of advice is very, very important for us. And he says we should be quick to hear and slow to speak. What great advice. We should be quick to hear and then we should be slow to speak. My friends, how often has it happened that we opened up our mouth by impulse and we blurted out something. We blurted out something that hurt the other person or the other persons. And almost as soon as we said it, we knew that we should not have said it and we wanted to fish it back. But once a word comes out of our mouth, my friends, it's out there. It's like if I take a rock and I throw it at a window, I can't say, hey, come back. It's going to break the window. And as Thomas Aquinas says, that God has given us one mouth and two ears. One mouth and two ears to listen. Listen to God, listen to others, and then speak. It's good advice. So to, to listen to God with one ear, listen to others with the other ear, and once we've listened to God, listened to others, then we can speak. Later on in St. James chapter 3, he's going to go deeper into the whole idea of the sins of the tongue. We're still in first chapter 1 of St. James, but chapter 3, he's going to go into the sins of the tongue. <coughs> I like the advice that St. Bonaventure gives to us. What is that? St. Bonaventure says that we should open up our mouth Open up our mouth on three occasions to praise God, to accuse ourselves, and to edify others. I repeat, St. Bonaventure and St. Bernard, they say that we should open up our mouths to speak so as to praise, so as to praise God. so as to praise God, so as to accuse ourselves. As to accuse ourselves. And then to edify. 
you have the word, the noun edifice, the verb to edify. And edify is a verb which means to build up. We want to build up people. Build up people by by our words. So James says we should be slow to speak and quick to listen. The book Imitation of Christ of Kempis says very few people have regretted not opening up their mouths, but many for having opened up their mouths when they should have kept their, kept their mouths shut. So later on, when we arrive at James chapter 3, we'll be probably spending a whole a whole conversation on controlling our tongues. Learning to control our tongues. Then James says, after exhorting us to be slow to speak and quick to listen, he goes on to say, be also be slow to anger. For anger does not accomplish the righteousness of God. How often anger has has done so much so much damage in the lives of our family members. I'd like to tell you a story on anger and its effects. Maybe some of you have heard of the priest, his name is Father, his name is Father Benedict Groeschel. Many of you have probably heard of Father Benedict Groeschel, who was on EWTN for many years. Uh, he's written, written some very good books. He passed away probably about six years ago. Father Groeschel, he was a priest, a Franciscan. He was a, he got his doctorate in psychology from Columbia in New York. And he tells a story on the effects of anger, what it can do to individuals. This is a story. There's once a a man, a married man, that was traveling to work. And there's a lot of traffic at work, and because he arrives late to work, and things don't go well at work. Returning home, once again, a lot of traffic. He's just had a tough, tough day. Now, when he arrives home, his son is has grabbed the hair of his little sister and is going that doing that against the wall. Father has had enough and he yells at his son, says, Go into your room. It would have been better if you were never born. Wow. So the wife comes up and she says, I've been putting up with him the whole afternoon and this is what you do then he yells at her. 
But a half hour later, the husband, the wife, and the children are sitting at the table in silence, having their meal. Now, Father Groeschel points out that what that man said to that boy, he may not forget that for many, many, many years. That will leave an indelible negative impression on the child. Now the father could apologize to his wife and his children and they'll forgive him. Now I've never I've never really liked I've never really liked this cliche forgive and forget. I've never liked that at all. You know why? Because forgive, we have to forgive. That's part of the gospel. When we pray the Our Father, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us, we have to forgive. And Jesus says, be merciful as your Heavenly Father is merciful. But the Our Father, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. However, saying forgive and forget, we, we simply can't forget certain things that have happened. Unless we get Alzheimer's, okay, that might be the remedy, huh? but maybe we don't want to get Alzheimer's. So we have to forgive, and to forgive is an act of the will. But we can't always forget. And when those negative thoughts surface, we should pray for the person that has hurt us. Pray for the person that has hurt us. <clears throat> but what we should do is when we are angry, we should have some coping mechanisms, not only human but divine. so that we don't explode like a firecracker. Wreaking havoc in the lives of individuals. You know, our, our, our anger, our, our actions have effects on others. Maybe you heard this story. There was a boy who, who um, really had these... Outbursts of anger, these tantrums, and he would yell out. So the father went away for about a week. And the father and mother said, every time you, you throw a tantrum and you, and you yell out in anger, or you get angry, and you express it, I want you to go outside and take a nail and a hammer, and I want you to pound the nail into the piece of wood. So seven days in a row, the, the boy exploded. So the father comes back 
and he sees the piece of wood that has seven nails in it. The father sits down with the boy and says, "Look, I'm going to be I'm going to be home for the next seven days. I will give you a reward, something very special, if you can go through this week without giving in to outbursts of anger. And every day you go through without having an outburst of anger, you'll go into the back and you'll take the hammer, you'll pull the nail out." So those seven days, the boy did not throw a tantrum. He did not give in to his outbursts of anger at all. So each day he'd go with the with the hammer, with the back of the hammer, and he'd pull out the nails that dug deep into the piece of wood. And after the seven days, the boy said to his father, "Look." The piece of wood does not have any nails. But the father drew close and said, Look, son, it's true. There are no nails, but there are still holes in the wood. So what I'm saying is the story of Father Groeschel and the story of the boy with the temper tantrums and the piece of wood and the nails and the holes in the wood, is that our lives, our actions, have consequences. And as St. James points out, we should be slow to anger, for anger does not accomplish the righteousness of God. Let God, let God judge us. And let's pray for the grace to be able to control our anger. It's not always easy. Not always easy. You know, in our perseverance conversation, I often like to tell a lot of stories. And many of these stories I like to take from the lives of the saints. So building upon this whole idea of trying to control our anger, I'd like to tell you another story, the life of a saint. Now you probably know, working with me, many of you, for years, that anger is one of the capital sins. That's right. Anger is one of the capital sins. The opposite of anger, the opposite verge of anger would be meekness. Jesus says, I am meek and humble of heart. Here's a story I like to tell in honor of a great saint. He was known for his great gentleness and meekness. His name was Saint Francis de Sales. Here's a story. At the end of his life, he was known for his great gentleness and meekness. Vincent de Paul, his friend, said, when you see the Bishop Francis, you can see a reflection of Christ. 
And Vincent de Paul would say, if Francis Sale is like that, what, Christ, what must Christ really be like? So Francis Sales was known for his great gentleness and meekness. But something happened one day. Francis Sales was in his office and talking with a friend. Someone barged in and insulted the mother of Francis de Sales. Just a litany of aspersions against the mother of Francis de Sales. The man got up and slammed the door. Now the friend that was with Francis Sales was shocked. He said to Francis Sales, why didn't you give it to him? Francis Sales was very eloquent. He was a lawyer. He was a writer. He was very capable of defending himself. But he didn't open up his mouth. And he said, look, my friend, I didn't want to lose in one minute what took me 40 years to acquire. So it took France to sales many years to acquire this very challenging virtue. This very challenging virtue of Gentleness and meekness. Gentleness and meekness. So don't, don't be discouraged, my friend. If it took him 40 years to acquire this meekness of heart, what about us? Be patient. Be patient. Beg for God's grace and let's do our own part. We all have our inner devils to struggle with. Isn't that true? So let's go deeper into the reading of St. James. St. James goes on to say that we should put away all filth. Yeah, all filth. So, if it's such that we're TV programs, things on the internet, videos, images, photos, pictures that are that are not good, let's get rid of it. Because Jesus says, Blessed are the pure of heart, for they will see God. Then James also says, get rid of evil excess. What does that mean, get rid of evil excess? You know there's an expression of pat rack. We might have the tendency in our lives to be accumulating more and more things. To accumulating more and more things. And that's going to take away our real freedom. Freedom. 
if it is such that we have become a compulsive buyer or shopper, we're always seeking out what to buy. Maybe we have the, the, the Black Friday mentality instilled within us. Maybe one of our favorite maxims would be shop until you drop. You know, my friends, we as religious priests, we have vows of chastity, poverty, and obedience. You know, poverty is a very liberating vow as well as attitude of heart. Because I, I live I live in a house. I have a car which is basically lent to me. I've got books that I have to use for my apostolate as well as my, my laptop. But in a certain sense everything is just on loan. Bank account I don't have that. So you know it's very it's very freeing because not having things because your possessions can possess you. And for many the more you have the more you want. You might examine your conscience to see whether or not you're buying things that are not essential. And you're accumulating things that probably you should not be accumulating. Maybe better just to give it away. It's a very telling parable in Luke chapter 16. is the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. The rich man had a lot. And he would eat sumptuously every day. Lazarus was so poor that the, he longed to eat the scraps that fell from the table of the rich man. And even the dogs would come and lick his wounds. Lazarus died and went to the bosom of Abraham, which is symbolic of heaven. The rich man died and he found himself in the fiery pit pointing to hell. Why was it that the rich man ended up by ending up in the fiery pit? I'll tell you why. Because he had so much riches that that blinded him so that he could not see Christ present in the poor beggar. It's true that our vices, our capital sins, have a tendency to blind us to the reality of Christ that is surrounding us. Jesus himself said, I was hungry and you gave me to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me to drink. I was naked and you clothed me. I was a foreigner and you welcomed me. 
I was sick and in prison and you came to visit me. <clears throat> when? And Jesus goes on to say, whatsoever you do, whatsoever you do to the least of my brothers, that you do unto me. Whatsoever you do to the least of my brothers, that you do unto me. Enter into the home of my father. So what St. James is saying is not to not to be attached to material things. Not to allow your possessions to possess you. Then James will go on to say, he says, welcome the word. Welcome the word that has been planted in you. And is able to save your souls. Wow. Welcome the word that has been planted in you is able to save your souls. Isn't that what we're trying to do in our perseverance family? We're trying to plant the word of God deeply in our hearts so that it will take root. It will grow. It will blossom. It will flourish and bring forth 30 60 and a hundredfold. It will blossom and it will bring forth 30, 60, and a hundredfold. You know, in a certain sense, my I told you at the beginning of our conversation that many people are doing this spiritual exercise with me, these three different turns. What is one of the primary purposes of the spiritual exercise of St. Ignatius Loyola and the program that we've established? What is one of the primary purposes? It's to meditate upon the Word of God with specific themes, like this week it will be principle and foundation, so that the Word of God that we meditate in our with our eyes enters into our mind sinks into our heart. Then we'll end up by transforming us. So we can say that it's it's no longer Christ who lives. It's no longer Christ who lives. I'm sorry, it's no longer we who live, but it's Christ who lives in us. St. James, my friends, gives excellent advice. Now, St. James goes on to give us more advice. Great advice. And what is he going to say now 
is he, he spells out one of the big difference between Catholics and Protestants. Well, the big difference between Catholics and Protestants is that the Protestants maintain that faith, placing your faith, placing your faith in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, responding to an altar call, as they often do. Placing your faith in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is salvation. Is salvation. They believe once saved, always saved. So St. James today, in chapter 1, 19 to 27, these nine verses, He's going to go on to say this. Be doers of the word and not hearers only. Deluding yourselves. And he says, gives this example, it's like someone who looks in the mirror and then forgets what he looks, forgets what he looks like. So we have to be doers of the Word of God as well as hearers. And there are actually many, many verses in the Bible where where we hear the importance of, of not simply faith but also good works. Jesus goes on to say, Not all those who say, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of God. But rather, those who do the will of my Heavenly Father. Jesus will go on to say, If you love me, keep my commandments. Jesus gives us the example of a man who planted a tree, a fig tree. And it didn't bring forth fruit. So the worker went to the owner and said, should I cut it down? The owner says, no. No plant manure and let it give it another year to grow if not cut it down all of what I'm I'm going through now I'm giving you biblical verses which substantiate the fact that we have to have faith but we have to have good works many verses here's another one John chapter 15 John chapter 15. 
Jesus says, I am the vine and you're the branches. My father will go and prone and he will cut off the branches that do not bring forth fruit. And those dead branches will be thrown into the fire. Jesus goes on to say, I have come to bring, so that I have come that you bring forth fruit and fruit in abundance. We're called to be like a, we're called to be like a tree, a tree that's bringing forth good fruit. Why was it, is that, as I mentioned, that the rich man in the parable of Luke chapter 16, why was it that the rich man was lost? Not so much for what he did do, but what, what he failed to do. He failed to help out this poor man, Lazarus, that was dying of hunger. On Friday, I'm going to be going, I'll be on Relevant Radio at 9 o'clock with, with Josh Ryan in the Inner Life. And the topic that we're going to talk about will be, we'll be talking about the corporal works of mercy. Many of these corporal works of mercy basically come from Matthew chapter 25 that I just mentioned. Matthew chapter 25 is one of the best verses that highlights the fact that we are called not only to have faith, but good works. Not only faith, but good works. Where Jesus says, I was hungry and you gave me to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me to drink. I was naked and you clothed me. A foreigner and you welcomed me. I was sick and in prison and you came to visit me. When, Lord, Whenever you did it to the least of my brothers, then you did it to me. So what I'm talking about, my friends, is an essential difference that we have with our separated brethren that are called the Protestants. What is called soteriology, or the theology of salvation. And it means this. It means this. That we are going to be judged on how we treat others. Final exam is going to be on charity.
So pray for the grace that you'll be able to put into practice the corporal and spiritual works of mercy. And not be simply hearers of the word of God, but doers. Once again, from the lives of the saints. Remember as a child, one of the first stories in the lives of the saints, I remember I was probably five or six years old. was one story in the life of St. Martin. You'll probably remember it. But it very much points out the fact that we have to faith, but we have to manifest the faith by the way we treat others. And that's the story of St. Martin who was the soldier in the Roman in the in the Roman army. It was a cold night. He was in France. He was on his horse. He had his cloak. He looked down and he saw there on the road a poor, half-naked man who was shivering. What did Martin do? Martin took his cloak, his army cloak, And he took his sword and he cut the army cloak in two parts and he gave that half of his army cloak to the poor shivering man. That very night Martin the Caballero Martin the soldier, a gentleman, he had a dream. What was the dream? The dream was that Martin saw Jesus Christ himself wearing that half of that cloak that he'd given to the poor shivering man on the road that last night. And that served to motivate Martin who was not yet a Christian and motivated Martin to enter into the Catholic Church. And then Martin became a priest. Martin became a bishop of Tours. And his nickname was Martin the Charitable because he was always helping people. 
always going out of his way to help out people. Martin the Charitable. So true. Martin did have faith. He did have faith in Jesus Christ. But Martin lived out his faith by practicing charity, by practicing good works. So my friends, St. James, for the past three days we've been going through just chapter one of St. James. So I'd like to reiterate the the essential messages of St. James for us today. Let us beg for the grace to be, be able to put into practice this advice. Number one. Number one. Let us be slow to speak and quick to listen. And make a concerted effort in our lives to control our tongue. Knowing full well, as Jesus says, that every word that comes out of our mouth will be judged and every word that comes out of our mouth. The second is, not only should we control our tongue, but we should also make a concerted effort to control our anger. And sometimes they're related. When we get angry, we say harmful words. And I told you the story of Father Benedict Rochelle, the frustrated frustrated man that yelled at his son. And that we should be pure as well as detached from having too many things. Otherwise, we become slaves of things. We become possessed by our own possessions. And then finally, we have to have faith in God. That's true. But different than the Protestants who believe that faith and faith alone in Jesus saves, we have to go beyond just having faith. Rather, St. James says, not only to be listeners to the Word of God, but to be doers of the will of the Word of God. Let us put into practice our faith by serving and helping others. So, my friends, we've been able to delve into this very, very rich and practical letter of St. James. Let's beg Mary, the Queen of the Apostles, who listened to the Word of God, the Annunciation, then put into practice by serving her cousin Elizabeth, that we would be active in our faith by showing love, compassion, 
and concern to our brothers and sisters. Amen. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thou art before me and behind, and Thou hast broke my heart and mind. Upon me Thou hast laid Thy hand.